Hi, this is Tom Field with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today to talk about the insider threat with Jerry Murphy, Senior Vice President and Director of Research with the Robert Francis Group. Jerry, good morning to you. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Well, thanks. Jerry, the last several days, we've all seen the shocking story of the French bank fraud and what happened with, with the bank over there. What's the most significant aspect of that crime to you? Well, Tom, I think for me the thing that's significant is that so much was compromised for so long. And I think, you know, there's a real exposure that companies have to trust. Um, this was not a case of somebody, you know, a criminal sneaking in and stealing account information or breaking in with malware or something like this. This is somebody who was a known authorized user of systems uh, that was not doing some things that they should have been doing, but, uh, you know, it really shows you that there's a huge risk. There's a difference between, you know, what the external threat is for people breaking in and what's the real risk to your systems and your company reputation, even from uh, the people you trust. Uh, and we can't underestimate the analysis of risk in that context. I mean, this phrase gets overused, but in this case, I think it's appropriate. It really is a wake-up call. Absolutely. Jerry, what are the most common forms of insider threat that you see in financial institutions today? Well, Tom, the those types of threats generally come in two broad areas. There's the unintentional threat of data. That is, people not intending to expose data to harm's way, but accidentally doing it. And that generally can happen in a couple different ways. One way is there's a policy that your company has for protecting information, and I'm not aware of it, either through lack of education or maybe not appropriate checks on the systems. Uh, a very typical way this would happen is I have information that's sensitive uh, company information and it's on my database and maybe I'm even encrypting it in my database. Then what happens? I'm authorized to access that information. I'm trying to do my job and then I take this information and then to make things easier for myself, I put this stuff in a non-protected place. So I send it in an e some information in the email to a client. So this client is authorizing information, but maybe my company policy is I shouldn't send this information in an email because now it's no longer encrypted. So I'm doing my job, but maybe I'm violating policy, didn't know it. Um, or there's a system protection. I actually found uh, a case where uh, one system protects data, Another system protects data, but now when I integrate the two systems, the way that they share information with one another is not protected. So uh, there's a system unintentional loss of data. There's I'm not necessarily aware of the policy. I'm doing my job, but I accidentally do things that are not uh, proper from a security perspective. And, of course, the other major form is the malicious intentional uh, loss of data. I'm authorized to use this data, but I'm using it in an unauthorized way. Uh, I'm, maybe I'm a database administrator who should be maintaining files, but I take the information I have access and I sell it to somebody else for money. Uh, maybe that's just for pure greed. 
maybe it's revenge. You know, I'm, I found out I lost my job or didn't get a promotion. Uh, and another way is sometimes this happens through coercion. Uh, we're finding more and more there's organized crime syndicates that are using social engineering. So I am a good person. You should normally trust me. But now somebody says, you know, if you don't steal this information from me, I'm going to harm a member of your family, something of this nature. So uh, we're finding that this coercion happens as well. So uh, those are the two broad ways that we're seeing this uh, leakage of data from uh, inside the enterprise. Now, you see a lot of institutions and a lot of these threats. What do you find is most un misunderstood about the insider threat? I think the thing that's really misunderstood is the the total concept of of risk, and, and by that I mean um, you look at the probability of something occurring and you multiply that by the exposure to the company if that threat occurs. And because people see a lot of the external threats, and in fact, you know, 80% of the attacks on the enterprise are from external agents. Uh, and so I think there's a, a misperceived notion that the biggest threat to my company are external hackers trying to get in to get access to information. And while there's more of that going on, there's there's two things you got to consider. The probability of a, attack occurring externally is is relatively low. And if there's an attack, the probability that the information gotten can be exploited is itself not not as high as somebody who's authorized to have this system and uses it maliciously. So if I'm accessing a system, you know, the reality may be I can trust 90% of the people in my company or more, and, and hopefully that's the case. But for that small percentage of people who do have malicious intent, the probability of them succeeding in taking information is very high. And if I'm maliciously taking information, the, the probability that that will have financial impact to my company is itself very high. And I think people really misunderstand where the real total magnitude of threat to the business is. And when you look at it from that perspective, most people realize that that internal threat is much more severe than it might be if I just look at the, the probability of it happening in any given instance. Sure. Now, how do you see financial institutions responding to these threats? Well, I see them responding in, in a number of different ways. The first way I see things happening is there's increasing a, a recognition that I need to have a functional separation of duties. And by that, I mean, if you look at a database administrator, typically, they're the person that's responsible not only for maintaining my data stores, but people have looked to them as being the person for looking at my log files and checking for any bad activity. But if we believe my proposition that if that person who has the trust also may be the threat, I don't want to have the person responsible for maintaining my data store being the same person that is monitoring for malicious activity. So people are starting to separate, you know, checking on security for data as a different role from the person maintaining security. And so people are starting to have organizationally separation there, and they're starting to put in tools that will, uh, for example, prevent the database administrator from actually 
being able to look at the database transaction logs. And so there's that that's happening. There's starting to be an increased recognition that I need, I need to have more training uh, because most people do want to do the right thing, but when people start to realize there's, there is this unintentional exposure of data, uh, people realize I start to need to increase my training uh, and awareness as well. So those are our areas and also an increase of auditing. I mean, in the, in the financial institutions, auditing has been done for a long time because there's been a lot of external governance compliance regulations that financial institutions have to adhere to. But what I'm seeing is a shift from auditing from a compliance perspective to changing the focus of my auditing to being more aware of security threats and data leakage. So there's how they're responding. Jerry, where do you continue to see institutions fall short in their response to the insider threat? The biggest place I see people fall short today are in two main areas. The first one I would say is in training. I think people have this visceral want to fall on technology tools. Uh, so when I have a threat, let me see if I can find, find a tool that will identify the threat. But what we find is if you have the right policies in place and if people follow the policies, even without a tool, you're going to dramatically increase your security posture. Uh, so I think people need to spend more time one, making sure they have the right policies and processes in place, and two, doing a better job educating people on what those are, uh, giving more incentives to people for being more proactive on looking at security. And then uh, lastly, I think people need to, to do a better job of doing what I would call proactive behavior analysis. The reality is, unfortunately, uh, security, people that are trying to violate security things tend to be ahead of the technology curve from the people in the security community who are trying to prevent things. So instead of waiting for identifying a threat after the fact, uh, we need to do a better job getting in front of actually looking at behavior, identifying anomalous behavior, and proactively checking the behavior. So those are the two areas I think there needs to be more work uh, to improve on. Okay, now you're doing a webinar on this topic, so in defending against the insider threat. What's going to be the key takeaway of your presentation? Well, I think the key takeaway are essentially going to be three parts. So the first part, and, and they're all things I've touched on, the first part is identify where the true risk to the business is, recognizing that even though the probability of an individual person mostly doing something is low, if they decide to do it, the probability of them succeeding is very high. And because of that, you have a really, you know, that's the risk that you really need to focus on. So that's probably going to be the biggest important takeaway. Then the second one is going to be, uh, regardless of all the great technological advances that are occurring in the security space, and there are a number of them, and I'll touch on some of them, uh, really, if you have the proper processes and policies in place and incent people to follow those policies, that's going to actually be a, a much better investment of your money than the dollars you spend on specific security tools. Not to saying that you don't need them, but if you, if you have what you find is if people had the proper 
patches in place and people were following the proper security procedures and I was verifying that, you're going to get far better protection than the fact that I put a particular tool in place. So those are probably going to be the main uh, takeaway messages and then increasing uh, the training and letting people know what the specific vulnerabilities are and some of the you know, short-term actions people can take to mitigate some of those specific threats. Excellent. The timing couldn't be better. Uh, Jerry, just to, to close with a, with a comment on the French bank fraud again, looking at what we've learned over the past week, what do you see as the key lesson to financial institutions to really take to heart from what they've read? Well, I would go back to uh, Ronald Reagan and some of the things he said when he was dealing with the Cold War, uh, dealing with Russia, and to come back to that key term he used, which is trust but verify. Uh, we don't want to. We want to assume our employees are good employees and are doing the right thing. But uh, one, even if they're they think they're doing the right thing, they may not be. And two, unfortunately, they all may not be. So I want. I do have to give people trust, um, but. I have to recognize that even when there's people I should be able to trust, there are reasons I should still verify people's behavior to protect my business. Well said, Jerry. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insights today. Sure thing, Tom. I enjoyed it. That's been Jerry Murphy with the Robert Francis Group. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.